Hi, good afternoon. It is Niall Boyle and welcome along to the Niall Boyle podcast this afternoon. Something a little bit different today. Of course, yesterday we spoke quite a lot about whether refugees were welcome in Ireland. We will follow that up, by the way, because we got a lot of follow-up calls and reactions to that particular show. Actually, a huge amount, particularly last night. We got a lot of WhatsApps. Don't forget, by the way, if you ever want to WhatsApp the show, you want to get involved, you want your comment read out, or you want to come on the air, we will take calls a little bit later on. All you've got to do is WhatsApp or text 85 100 Today, we want to talk about Ireland's dark past, particularly when it comes to education. And should those be responsible for physical and sexual abuse? I'm sure, no doubt, with sexual abuse, they should go to jail. But even with physical abuse, because people were tormented physically by teachers, should they be responsible and charged now at this late stage? Some people say you can't apply that retrospectively, but I believe you can. But in February, the former teacher and rugby coach admitted abusing 22 students of the private school in the 1970s, 80s and 90s. John McLean was the man. The sentence will only begin after he finishes an existing eight-year sentence, which he was handed down two years ago for the sexual abuse of 23 other boys. Many of the complaints came forward after hearing Damien Heatherton's uh, plea in 2021. And we spoke to Damien, by the way, on the radio show during the day at that particular time. And he was in court to support his fellow survivors. And on the line, Damien joins me. Good afternoon, Damien. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Damien, look. Great to be here. Thankfully, uh, John McLean is in prison where he belongs. I believe he's going to be moved now to Arbor Hill. And, you know, I suppose for a man who, well, I know he wasn't a man of the cloth, but certainly he was in a school which was considered to be full of messengers of God. It's not something that surprises us nowadays. But when did this all start for you? And firstly, what year were you there in the, in this in Tenure College? Well, I would have gone to Tenure College around, uh, I think it was 72, mm. 1972. And I went into the junior school first. We went there after, I went up to St. Marie and Ballyron, and then after communion, you went to Tenure College and into junior school. And it actually started in the junior school with, an, with a priest that was there who's long dead. And he be fiddling with you in the toilets and he'd even go as far as be kissing you he'd be kissing the face off kids you know and, and but so, how would uh, he but how would he even get access to children at, at that stage and i suppose in their innocence children in those days thought these were figures of authority and did they question it did they complain about it or you, know, you kind of thought but this is part this is this is what happens you know yeah yeah you know you're talking as you say the dark past but so many kids just didn't question it you yeah. know yeah, and uh, but it started in there with him, and then when you went into the senior school, uh, you were expected to play rugby. And yeah. uh, but either way, it wasn't so much with rugby. He uh, McLean was also a teacher, an English teacher. Yeah, and uh, it sticks in my craw to say it was quite a good one by all accounts. Yeah, but uh, he was rampant at it there. I mean, he was called the Doc, and his Doc nickname came from. The rugby training. If a young lad would sprain himself, he'd be rubbing him and he'd bring him into the, the side and he'd be rubbing and the hands would go up around the thighs and up, yeah. around the crotch. And it was common knowledge to stay away from Doc. But uh, so, in other words, all the all the kids the, all the kids knew what he was up to. But no, they did. I, yeah, yeah, but because he was a figure <laughs> of authority, they didn't, they didn't kind of question it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you'd be terrified of this or this fellow as well. Like, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, even you know, yeah, and. Uh, but as I said, he wasn't the only one out there. But anyway, yeah. the, the thing about it is, I mean, he, what he did to me was. Well, when, what age uh, were you? What age were you when it started with you? When he it was when about he kind of... thirteen, I'd say. Yeah, about twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, would have got into a senior school then, yeah. I know I left in 76 anyway. I just couldn't take any more. I didn't even do the insert. Um, between the violence and that, the violence yeah. was horrendous in junior college. I mean, they just beat you for to pass the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, quite common practice in those days, wasn't it? Was, was, yeah, huh? it was quite common practice in those days. They kind it of was, felt yeah. they, they kind yeah. of felt that was the norm. We just beat them up if they didn't do something right. Well, it's only when it started coming out, really, in the late nineties, and started coming, it became public that yeah. people started saying. I mean, I have to say about Charlie McCreevy. And it's true what he said. It was there was a big scandal that broken about the Christian Brothers in the early nineties. Yeah, and it came out that day. And on questions and answers that night, he was on the panel, and the news came out. So he was asked for his opinion, and he made a very good statement. He said, "Before I say anything," and he did slate them. But he said, "Before I say anything, I want to point out that the Christian Brothers gave me and thousands like me a great education." You know, so yeah. you have to remember that, you know, and it's the same with the Carmelites. So were the, down in Turnure, there was great teachers and great priests down there. Yeah. But of course, you have the, the score in the bottom of the barrel, you know. But so when, when, away with that. when was away it for us? Sorry, sorry for interrupting you, Damien, but at what point in your life, and obviously this played on your mind so much so that you lost your education over, the end of your education over, but at what point in your life did you say, you know, I need to do something about this. I'm going to report this. This man is not going to get away with this. Because it was your, the charges in, in your particular case that led to so many people coming forward. Because, of course, I remember talking to you on the radio going back about two years ago. And after yeah. that, then, there was another 22 boys had come forward with another 22 charges, which yeah. made sure that he stayed in jail for a long time. And we can see him actually there. We have a video of him there actually going in and out of the court. I mean, and if you were ever to look at somebody, I always, I always think it's wrong to say that somebody looks evil. But looking at him there on the screen, he looks evil. He looks like the type of person that would be responsible for that kind of thing. It's difficult to see him with his mask on him there. But what point what point in your life did you say, I need to do something about this? Well, I mean, I always... By the way, the day that this happened in the court, my kids had known nothing about this. My mm -hmm. wife had known nothing about it. I hadn't said this to anybody. And they were shocked when... I told him uh, it might be on the news tonight. You know, um, I did nothing about it because I didn't think it do anything about it. I thought it was pointless. And then in 2015, I got a message through Facebook from Tim O'Darty. Um, as I said in the interview, the that journalist, the journalist, favorite, then of course, Tim everybody's yeah. favorite punch bag. Um, and Gemma got in touch and asked me, had I asked, could she phone me? And I asked, she rang me. I didn't really know who she was. I knew she was a journalist. And she got a lot of us together. She traced us through Facebook and Turner College things and everything. Yeah, well done. To and she yeah. got a, a, a bunch of us together. And she practically dragged me down to Turner Garda Station. And I have to hand it to her. And I thought it was a waste of time, but it wasn't. And that was the result of it. So you and, so and many other boys came forward. And what I was it? What was it like when you when you were sitting in town your Garda station for the first time that you had kind of approached this or faced this, yeah. you know? And the guard obviously was taking a statement from you and questioning yeah. you in relation to what happened, or what well, not questioning, but certainly taking a statement and listening to what you had to say. That must have been very difficult for you then to kind of go back in your memories and remember everything that happened. It must have been difficult it was, for you. It, 
was it was kind of it was nearly living it like over again, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. something that you just blocked and forgot about. And even with ex pupils, my best friend, we never discussed it. And turns out he was the same, and he's yeah. now going against them as well. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a thing you never discussed. So it's sort of all like, pardon the, the analogy, but it's like you're just bringing it, vomiting it all up again, you know, bringing it yeah. all back up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but. That particular guard, the first day I went down uh, in 2016, he had had statements taken before from people, from past pupils back in the 90s, and he never followed it up. This was, yeah, and this was in 1996. Up. There was two complaints made about him in 1996 yeah. to the guards, and they did nothing about it. But I suppose that was that was kind of common at the time, that the guards were getting these complaints yeah. and thought, ah, oh, sure, look, the they know best, yeah. And the guard probably just said it to us, Senior, what they do after yeah. loads of them. Yeah. But even in 2016, with mine, he didn't do anything. But suddenly he was gone. He was transferred. And, and did you feel when up. you were in, when you were in Garda Station in Terenura, did you feel you were being taken seriously at that time? I did, but I felt like he was just going through the motions. Right. Okay. Here's another statement. You know, yeah. you know maybe he had a connection to Terenura. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the the Another guard, uh, two guards took it over. Uh, Peter Lyons, great guy. Yeah, he's in Crumlin now, and uh, he he followed it through, and he got your man into court. And, and what was it like that yeah. day when when you were in court? I know you've been in court more recently again because obviously back in February he was sent down again um, for another twenty two charges. But when you went into court that day and you saw him standing in the dock, I mean, what did he look remorseful? Was he in denial? He seems no, to never, have been. Well, well, he never I, looked I, th over. I think he was in denial, wasn't he? Yeah, he never looked over. But then you, you feel like maybe if we had come forward sooner. But I mean, again, nobody listened to us, you know, in the 90s. Because he went on to do it for 30 years in junior college. 30 yeah. years, Nile. Yeah. And they knew, the dogs in the street knew about it. There's a story of one of the survivors that told me, he was a, himself was on the news, DVG News, he told me that there was an incident where the, one of the priests walked in on it and closed the door and did nothing. And he was let go on there for 30 years. How many guys did he abuse in 30 years? Kids. And then eventually he was pushed out and he went out as director of rugby to UCD. And he was there for about, well, he wouldn't have, the lads would have been older out there. He wouldn't have been getting up to any of his tricks. And he was there for many years until, and he was involved in Leinster rugby. Um, and he was a god in the rugby circles. But, like, but, 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 in other words, he got away with it for a far... It took me 40 But, but isn't years. this the problem? When we look at the all these cases... Me, the time he was locked yeah. up. When we look at all these cases, Damien, the biggest problem in all of these... Well, obviously the biggest problem is the perpetrator of the crime. But one of the other biggest problems is the individuals that surrounded them who knew what yeah. went on and who were well aware of the situation... We did absolutely nothing about it. We saw the same with the reports that came out in relation to priests who had interfered with Pete, with young children. Yeah. That, you know, bishops and other priests knew about them and all they did was move them from place to place to move avoid any complications. You know, so yeah. it's kind of the same situation. So most likely the principals or the other teachers would have been aware of his behaviour because something would have been said. Absolutely. They were aware of us. They were, but they were probably in fear of their jobs. Hmm. Um. I got a, there was a teacher there. She got in touch with me after going only recently. 
she was 21 at the time, and she said, he had actually taken her under her wing when she started in Terenure, and she lived not far from him. She said, he used to give me lifts in, yeah. and he dropped me home. Yeah. And she knew nothing about it, she said. But I don't know. So, well, I mean, well, maybe, maybe in their innocence, maybe people, some people knew nothing about it, but certainly some knew a lot about it. But, but getting back to when he was in court, so at no stage did he admit guilt. Um, he was in denial. He seems to be completely delusional as to what he's done. Do you think he genuinely believes he's done nothing wrong? I mean, well, he is, he that, is he that delusional? He did plead guilty to all the charges, you know. Mm. There was no uh, there was no trial. There was no evidence. There was impact statements. He pled guilty two, to Yeah, two days of impact statements against him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, at the same time, he didn't look in it. He, he wouldn't look over it. He looked like he was sitting there bored and wanted to get out. You know, uh, my trial the first time, of course, he had the the he had the mask on. Yes, so right. He yeah. was covering a lot, and he, he he sat with his back to everybody, to all of us. You know, and did, but, that was, uh, yeah, the picture we see him with the mask on. Did he make any statement? Did he make any statement at all? Him? Yeah. No. No. no never opened his mouth. Never because, and I was sitting with I was sitting very close to him. I mean, that's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> Because no, I remember in the in the ninety in the eighties, I was coming down the stairs. I think I probably told you the last time I was in, in the restaurant upstairs in the Yellow House, in Farnham. And I was coming down the stairs, and who was coming up the stairs yeah. but him? And how I didn't draw out that day because I was young and wild in those days in the eighties. Yeah. And it took when I saw him coming like up. Yeah, I'd say it flashed like back it. to me, you know. Yeah. But and, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, for people who don't understand, and, and everybody understands some level of physicality and, and physical violence that they received in school, but certainly they, it, most people it didn't get as far as sexual violence or sexual um, abuse. For people who don't understand how that affects your life, well, firstly, it affected your education because you didn't want to pursue yeah. your education then because you just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. And but how does, it, how does that affect your life? Does that play in your mind still to this day, all the time? It did, and it also knocks confidence out of you as well. Like, I mean, mm. I was always I was always convinced I was just good for nothing. Yeah. Um, things I wanted to do, I would, I wanted, I would have loved to have been in broadcasting. Yeah. I would have loved to have been public speaking and dealing and all that, but I never had the confidence. Um I'm thinking into pirate radio. <laughs> I'm talking nice. about that, and yeah. uh, but it did. It knocked the confidence out of you. I, I mean, I used to. I, I I was a month on the Mitch before my parents realised I hadn't been in at all because I it, I was just terrified to go in between the sexual abuse and the daily violence. I mean, there was one particular fellow there. If he passed you in the corridor, he just smack you just out of something to do. That just sounds crazy. just because he could. Uh, yeah. Just because he could, yeah. yeah. They were psychos. A lot of them were psychos. But at the same time, there was a lot of good ones. I suppose it wasn't 50-50. It was probably about 30% of them were good, decent teachers and priests. And When, when but, you look uh, back at that time, and, and leaving aside the, the sexual violence, and I'm not obviously negating the sexual violence, but leaving aside uh, that, this kind of, every single teacher was, well, almost all of them, thought it was acceptable to beat a child or slap a child or put them in the corner and make a fool of them or embarrass them or emotionally destroy them. Every teacher thought that was okay to do. And I remember speaking to one of my own primary school teachers who was quite well-renowned at the time in our school because he was probably the most violent. 
uh, because he would take out, he had a bata, which he called, which was basically the dowel off a baby's cot. And he would beat you with that, you know, or he'd hit you across the hands with it on a cold winter morning or whatever it was. But they thought it was okay to do that. Now, I don't know whether they had kids of their own or whether they did that at home. I doubt it. But why do you think, when I spoke to him, he said, I asked him, I said, why did you do it? I said, like, would you do it now? Would you hit a five-year-old or a seven-year-old now with a stick? And he said, no, not at all. And I said, well, why did you do it then? He said, because everybody else was doing it. I mean, do you, uh, leaving aside obviously the sexual aspect of it, then, do you accept, you know, when you look at the other teachers in Taran, you and the physical violence around a lot of these schools, particularly the religious ones by the religious orders, do you accept that they, they genuinely believed it was acceptable to beat children? Well, it was. Mm. Um, do you know something, Night? I often said, and people criticise me for saying it, it's like everything else. The people, some take it too far. Mm. There was no harm to be a little bit scared or terrified of the teacher. It put a bit of manners on you. And it taught you respect. And if he gave you a couple of patters of the cane, mm. maybe it wasn't too bad. But then it went to the opposite. Where, I mean, they punch a teacher now. Yeah. They, they can't. It did instill a bit of fear and respect in you. But, of course, although they, they, they were mostly extreme and yeah. through blood. But it was acceptable, sure. Corporal punishment was allowed then, you know? Up to nineteen eighty up to 1982 was allowed, yes, yeah, so absolutely yeah. illegal in By the way, it still happened after that. that. Yeah. yeah. And do you, do you think there are more victims still to come forward? Does, do you think John McLean has more victims still to come forward? Because the amount of victims that he's had just goes to show you that he just had complete free reign. He literally did oh, yeah. whatever he wanted to do. Oh, I've no doubt there's more victims. No doubt, but it's it's up to themselves why they haven't come forward. But a lot, even since the last trial, there's a lot of cases going in against the Carmelites. Mm -hmm. You'll see a for sale sign at, at your College mm -hmm. yet. You know they've already mm -hmm. tried to to get planning permission on the. the Rugby pitches in the back. Yeah, the Carmelites are—they're going to have a lot of problems, and there's a lot, of, a lot of uh, claims going in. Of mm. yet From they people. didn't take them to court. Yeah, but there's claims going in. You know, there's civil a cases of yeah. as well. You know, yeah, there'll be a lot but, of civil uh, cases against them, of course. Somebody took a guess that in the time he was there, he could have had up to six hundred victims, like you know. And when you think of thirty years, you know he. He had 30 years free doing what he was want, wanted to do. You know? And I don't know how any of the older boys, even myself, when we got older, didn't go back and have a word with them. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually surprised that somebody didn't take the law out of their own hands yeah. at some point because yeah. with so many people and so many victims of this one individual and he goes down, obviously, in history. And he, by the way, he joins, he has some good company, by the way, in Arbor Hill. Um, with other uh, paedophiles that are in there and sex, uh, sexual abusers that are in there. So he has good company in there. Uh, hopefully he'll be in there for a long time uh, and hopefully he will spend the rest of his days there because he is quite old now at this stage. So yeah, hopefully yeah. he'll spend the rest of his days there. Anyway, yeah, uh, absolutely. Were, were you happy enough, see, with, you know, were you happy enough with the sentence, by the way? Well, my sentence, uh, the original one, yes, eight years, I suppose, when you look at what happens. Yeah, uh, one particular judge is letting them walk out the door on a daily yep. basis. Yeah, won't name them on your program, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 
Right. But he, that judge was actually the judge in the second case there back in February. Yeah. And when I saw him on the bench, I said, nah, nothing's going to happen here. But funny enough, he gave him another four years. That's to start after the other sentence is complete. Well, so, thankfully, uh, well, thankfully, it's consecutive and not concurrent because sometimes in Irish yeah, law, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I was surprised with, with the particular judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there has been a lot anyway, of people I just got on with my life. I was very lucky. I met a fantastic woman. And, a and can woman. you, but here's Damien, I mean, can you get on with your life? Isn't that the hard part when you've been through such a traumatic experience like that, you know, and but I've been sexually I got on with my life the best I could. So you have to yeah. get on with it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I probably would have done a lot better. I mean, I probably should have done my intercert on my leaving certificate and probably gone to college. But instead, yeah. I've been mechanican and driving a taxi and just doing working bits and pieces. Yeah. I mean, they often joke to me, you're the best taxi driver to come out of there in your college, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't matter. I've been rewarded very well with the family I have. Yeah. You know, so that, that keeps me going. And what would you say you know? to people who are out there? There are people listening today and, and watching today, and we'll probably talk to some people after we're finished talking to you as well, who maybe, you know, listening to you now and they're saying, well, I remember that happened to me, but I never went to see anybody. I never complained. I never did anything. And it still plays on their mind now, you know, 50 years later, 40 years later. What would you say to those people? Would you tell them to come forward? Absolutely. I mean, what was it? Is it a that. difficult process? I mean, that whole process must be emotionally very difficult. It wasn't that difficult, really. It wasn't that difficult. Uh, it is. It, up there it is, because you're reliving the whole thing again. Mm. But regards the guards and the, the system, but it's very, very important. It gives you great closure. It, it was a load off my mind when, mm. when I actually did it. And as I said the day, the first case outside, it's never too late. Yeah. 47 years it took me. I, I never thought it. Definitely. I thought he'd got away with what he had done to me and what he had yeah. done to other lads. You thought he'd take and, it to the uh, grave with him. But yeah. Very important to come forward, whether it's him or any of them. Like, the last day I went into the court, I was humbled because fellas were coming up to me and then shaking my hand and saying that if it wasn't for what I had said the day the first case, they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Even a couple of Black Rock lads. Yeah. You know, so it's not just turn your. So and I got messages from, oh, the, at the first case, I was overwhelmed with messages through Twitter and Facebook from people all over the place who had suffered the same. And all I can say is, it, it is a, it, it, it does take a load off your mind if you yeah. if you challenge it and yeah. get them to pay for what they did. You know? Well, look, Damien, anyway. I wish you well and um, thank you very much indeed for sharing the story. And, you know, if your story and, and the last time you were on, obviously a lot of people heard it and maybe that encouraged people to come forward too. And if your story encourages yeah, more people, of not just John McLean, of many other predators oh, yes. and paedophiles that were out there at the time, um, if it encourages them to come forward, or anybody who was physically abused in any yeah. shape or form, um, well, then it's a good thing, isn't it, I suppose, from that point of view. Even even if the perpetrator is dead, still go. Yeah, I've often know. wondered, by the way, you know, if the perpetrator is dead, should we have posthumous trials? Maybe we should, you know. You know, well, against the, the schools, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, thank you, Damien. I appreciate you talking Thanks, to us Simon. today. Always a pleasure, and, thank you. And good luck in the future. All right, thank you very much indeed. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up.
available for download from all your usual platforms. 